You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Family Matters. And today we're discussing raising children with special needs, raising children living with chronic diseases as well. Learning and accepting that a family member is living with a chronic disease can really be difficult to handle. And this can be even more challenging when the family member who's diagnosed uh, with a chronic disease or who's got special needs is a child. Because in some cases, a child, it's a child who might even be too young to understand their condition. So how can you best support children with special needs as a family? How can you best support children right, living with a chronic disease? Because it can be difficult seeing a child sort of suffer in that way where they have to go for treatment, where they have to be medicated, where they have to go to a special school. You know, some families have to navigate the loss of their child at an early age from a chronic disease. So I want us to talk about how you can be a good support system for that child in that situation. And if you've been there, please give me a call on 011-883-0702. And who knows, right, maybe you can give tips to the other families on how to navigate um, scenarios like that. You can also send us a WhatsApp voice note on 0727021702. What has been your experience? What happened at birth? And, and how was the support system growing up? And maybe you are or you were that child with special needs or who lived with a chronic disease. Right? How was that childhood for you? And, and what kind of support did you get? What were the challenges even in other institutions like schools? For instance, I'll take those calls and WhatsApp voice notes. Uh, Kifilwe Mojapilu is a psychotherapist who's going to be guiding us through this discussion. Kifilwe, thank you so much for coming through and making time for us. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So, obviously, parents can react in their own way when they realize the condition of the child, right? I mean, all of us want to give birth to children who are healthy. We want children that are not going to have conditions that are life-threatening. Mm. So how can parents deal at that initial level when they realize that, okay, we're dealing with a child who's got special needs or a child now we've just realized has got chronic illness? What's the best way to react as a family? I would say it first starts with acknowledging where you are, what is happening within you. Because if you are not going to be okay as a parent giving birth to that child or a family is going to be receiving that child, it's going to be a, a long walk to, it's just going to be terrible for you. So I would say acknowledge what you are feeling. Don't try to walk over your feeling, trying to find solutions before you first go in within you and seeing what's happening inside of you. Mm-hmm. And deconstructing any belief that you have socially, so anything that you've learned, you need to go deeper into that level. So first start there, because I can't say accept before you've went through that mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging then, um, you say it's important, because I can imagine how frustrating it can be for parents to try and find these best solutions to try and find even the explanation, mm. right, and justification because there's even a, bl- a blame game of, of how did we get here and who's to blame for it. So, so that acknowledgement then becomes important before you even start thinking about, um, you know, why we got here and, and how do we, do we come out of here? How do you then, I mean, for, for some children are too young to even understand the mm. condition or their, their special needs, but it can really be difficult because they've got to go to schools. They've got to be within communities and, and enjoy their childhood like mm. any other child. 
how what conversations do you have with a child who's i guess old enough to under to see that i'm different from my friends or from from those in school in in certain respects yes yeah, so first and foremost hence i'm saying stop for a moment be there acknowledge what you're feeling then the next thing obviously some i, I guess it starts first when the, the disabilities they differ it's either at birth and then now I want us to start there before I can go to how do you now enable and educate and empower your child at, an, at an, a later stage. First, as a parent, what are you feeling? Is there any blame game? Who's blaming who? Sometimes some people even separate. I've dealt with clients, a father who left the mother because they've got some cultural view of what the disability means and what the mother oh. might have done. Because mm. we can acknowledge that we stay within certain societies mm. who have their preconceived ideas that is emanating either it's social, cultural, or yes. it's religious and it's otherwise. Yes. So sometimes you'll be blamed as a woman to say, what did you eat when you're pregnant? Mm. We know there are stereotypes, there are myths out there. Mm. So first acknowledge what's happening, be there. Because if you are going to try to first without dealing with the inner you try to find solutions rushed into what can i do because mm. i think it's normal for a human being then when you are faced with a problem you first run to a solution mm. but first before you go to a solution go first in within you find out what you're feeling what are you blaming yourself for what are, are you thinking what are people about people what are, are they saying about the situation mm. there are elders who are going to be saying certain things on you even within the family so it's going to really take a lot of you work for you to educate yourself mm. and learn and relearn certain things that um around the situation so first start there if you need to go to therapy do that empower mm. yourself acknowledge where you are work on it from there then that's when education happens mm. with a, a certain cognitive restructuring so that's i think what we do the most i check your mind i start the cognitive restructuring from there then we can find answers and solutions together from there then we can go to say how do you now educate your child yes. who's living with this um, 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 kind of who's differently abled, let's put it like yes. that, because mm -hmm. I think we are, the term dis, dis, is disabling itself if mm -hmm. saying people are, are disabled. Mm -hmm. It's people who are differently abled. Mm -hmm. So if your child is differently abled, how do you, what, what do you say to him? Do you, do you, do you even know enough to know what to say to your child? Mm -hmm. Hence I'm saying it really starts with you educating yourself. What mm -hmm. are you thinking? Learn what kind of, it is. is it autism? Is it what? Is it physical disability? Learn. Is it a neurological, um, impairment what is it understand mm. understand even the the physical and the biological and the psycho psychological aspects surrounding that disability so that mm. you can know from that point of empowerment then you can take on mm. the world yeah because also how do you sit down with your child and accept them and demonstrate to them that you accept them and and talk to them about their condition when you yourself is not accepted because it will come out exactly you know, children can can pick up when you, they feel like, you know, they are shaming you and you mm. are embarrassed of them. So because you've not dealt with it and you've not exactly. embraced um, and accepted the situation for, for, for what it is. Exactly. What's the strain on the children themselves? When you are growing up and you are differently abled, you've got special needs or you've got a chronic illness. I mean, there are kids that have to take cancer treatment mm. at the youngest age and it's difficult for them because they're like, I want to be with the other kids in the street. Mm. I don't want to be busy on chemo on a Friday afternoon. I want to have this hairstyle. I don't want to have my head shaved or wh whatever that is limiting in, in, a, in a situation that they're in. 
what's the strain on the children themselves and what would you say is the support system they need far apart from what the family provides i would say as a parent try to put yourself in the shoes of that child mm. and think of what you would want to be told if you were that child so put yourself within a social setting where the child would be operating some mm. kids would make a joke out of your child you know kids can be cruel sometimes um depending on the disability of the child they would fear playing with that child so how do you educate and empower your child to go out there and face these children mm. what do you say so it, it starts the empower build a sense of confidence within your child and don't start when they are already at a teen level start earlier start making talking about that level of confidence assess it as you go out to the public how are you feeling about it because the minute you show shame and you portray it your child will learn from you and they will be shameful mm -hmm. so equally so it starts with the other parent and then it outshines to your child i've seen some of the kids that I, uh, albinism and when they go out there they own it because their parents have empowered them mm. irrespective yes. of the resources that you have or you don't have the mm. child owns it mm. I'm, I'm i'm from a rural village i've seen mm. how people embrace their disability mm. based on how their parents come yes. out to be so it's very important as a parent to also have that after you empowered yourself and work through yourself about the disability also pass it to the child when you are with them walk with pride carry that confidence so that it can pass on to them and they can carry it so i would say start when it's very early and unfortunately sometimes the disability comes along the way you are not born with it so it, it would be very difficult for a child who was born able-bodied and then now they an accident happened they can't walk anymore still on that space take them to a therapy if you can you feel like you can't deal with it because mm -hmm. i know there are parents who can't who are broken enough to can even they're unable to say anything to a child mm -hmm. but i've dealt with those kind of children and we do group work sometimes you show them that you're differently able just because i'm living with this you can just because you are not working with your feet you can work with your hands i've seen kids who have exuded like they show confidence in working with their hands and showing that so mm -hmm. it really starts there if you feel like you don't know what to say bring your child to us we are there for that yeah. we empower your child and also make it a family um therapy if you also it's, it's a whole family we also penetrate those spaces we we help you adjust and readjust to the new situation that you find yourself with. yeah uh, Kifile, i want us to take some calls now um 011 whatsapps as well that are coming through on 072-702-1702. Let's start with Chipiwa, who's calling us from Pretoria. Chipiwa, good morning. Good morning, Clement and listeners. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was listening to your conversation, and I think I just want to make some input mm. that um, sometimes you might have a child with learning disabilities that might not be physically visible, mm. maybe even to the siblings, or to other relatives. For an example, you could have a child who is dyslexic and low IQ. And now you are visiting a family gathering in December. And I think as families, you know, they would be, they would be asking, which grade are you in? And your child is 16. Oh. He does not even know whether I'm in grade 1 or 2. He starts to look down. He stretches mm. down because he can't respond to that. Mm. Now the question is, what do you do as a family to protect your child from that? Because that exposes him to embarrassment. He looks vulnerable. And the other thing is maybe because your child is having low IQ, he would like to belong. And that's where you find that within the community, that's where they are abused. Mm. Other children would like them to do things that they shouldn't do. But because of their low IQ and they, you know, they 
they can see, some of them can see that I am tall, I'm big. I should be able to text and mm. they can't. Friends are blocking them. And mm. you are in this space that probably is me. I can be able to take my child to a psychologist. But maybe it's this family that don't even understand what is this. They are beating this child every day and say, What Why is someone? Why would you so? So this dynamic becomes so big that sometimes you go to church and now people don't understand why your child can't um, memorize a rhyme with mm. with other children in, 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 in a Sunday school. And you find that this child now does not even want to go to church because the Sunday school teacher does not understand why are you not um, uh, memorizing the Lord is my shepherd. So mm. this thing becomes so wide. For an example... You could be you could be a parent who's having other children who are doing well at school, and you have this one who's not doing well. How do you celebrate uh, when others are doing well, and what do you celebrate with this one who can't read and write? Yeah. And people would say, no, this child might be having other talents. He can draw. He can do this. We are the parents who are living this. You find that this other one, even when you give that child a space. It is taking so long, maybe 15 years, for one to be able to say what could be the talent that this one can do. Yes. How, and how do I celebrate others yeah. without demeaning this one? And how so have you navigated I, it, Wena Chipiwa? The way I do it is that I I decided to have a meeting with my children, yeah. those ones that don't have issues, one-on-one. Mm. And I sat with them and I say, we are the first line of defense mm. for this one. Mm. Like that. So, so um, if we don't accept and protect this mm, one, mm. then we are exposing this one to greater vulnerability. A point that my firstborn is somewhere in Vatican doing other things. But if we are in a family gathering mm. and people start to ask, um, what, what good are you in asking this other one? My firstborn would say, we are all doing well. We all progress. Mm. We don't even want to say he's doing grade one, two, or he's in crisis. Mm. Oh. Chibiwa, what a beautiful call. Um, I'm getting goosebumps because I'm just thinking of how incredible a mother you are and how incredible your family is. And that takes a lot. And I mean, Kifile was talking about kids who live at home and they own it and they're not embarrassed and they acknowledge their situation. And it takes a mother like you and it takes a family like yours Mm. that helps give that support structure and helps people acknowledge, the children acknowledge their situation. What a heartwarming call. Thank you so much for calling um, Chipiwa in Pretoria. Kifilo, it takes the the whole family, right? And and she says, I I met them one-on-one and I said, the first line of defense. 100%. And that's what it takes, right? 100%. Whew, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> How do you deal, though, with a scenario where other family members just don't get it? Because you also don't want a situation where when you're going to Koko to visit Koko uh, December, grandmother or the, the grandparents, you must now leave your child behind mm. because all the other cousins are going to be asking about what grade are you in or, or why are you like this? Why is your head shaved or whatever the case is? So does that mean now that the entire family, including relatives, need to understand where the off-limits parts are? I mean, how do you navigate that? I would say, I think it's it's just general that people will keep on asking. Mm. But it's upon you to choose how you respond. Mm. And if you are empowered in responding from a point of empowerment, you won't be as broken and emotional and um, react negatively. 
I th- let's not take it as a negative thing when people ask. That's a moment where you take to empower people and educate. And it's just, it's your family now. Mm-hmm. That is the people who will ask you, how about others? You'll, you'll be answering even more people outside the family and relatives and anybody else. So let's just also prepare and put it in our minds that people will ask. And it's okay to ask. Don't take it, don't take it offensive. You know what I mean? So, yeah, if you have to educate, educate. That is the moment where you educate and tell them, no, he's not in a grade. Sometimes you even empower a child to speak for themselves because you don't want to come across as now you 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 are mm-hmm. always there for a child. You can't let them be. Mm-hmm. So just let them be and hear what they're going to say because you know you've done most of the work. You're proactive within your house and your family space where you have influence and power of influence. That way we can hold it strictly and have that power of influence. But outside the house... Unfortunately, we can't live our lives for our kids. We can, we can only protect them thus far. Yeah. Let's go to David in, in False Loras. David, good morning. I'm fine, you? I'm all right, David. Go ahead. Yeah, myself, man, I've got a problem. I've got a son with autism. Mm. And my wife doesn't want to take, take it. What, is she in denial about it? She, she, she's in denial. She, 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 she even uh, up by him. Each and every time when he's from school, when he's from school. So mm. I can't do anything. It's bad. But myself, I'm empowered. I don't know what's happening me with the wife. And have you guys seen a, a, a doctor, David? Have you seen a specialist? Or is it, yes, is it just, is this from the observation you, you've made? Yes, I've seen a doctor. And the doctor told me that now the only problem that will help is that the mama must, go, must consult therapies but she doesn't want to mm. go on therapy sure yeah that's a tough one david yeah, uh, it's bad. Yeah. too much bad yeah i'm sorry about that david the boy, Let, let's when he's from school mm. he didn't want her to go to school but now i've tried my level best i took my my, my son to they, they give us transport then i organize the transport so that he can take him from another house yes yeah so let's hear how kefila can advise davis uh, kefila um i think he has he must try more to to, to talk to the wife so mm. that she can come and I think therapy this is very necessary at this moment and if she can't come sometimes you go to people if they can't come to us because unfortunately she needs help mm. so I would put myself out there and say if he needs help he can come and ask because sometimes therapy is for discerning people who say we want to but sometimes you, you don't want to come because of the situation and how we get so I would say we are there. He, we can call us and we can go with, uh, because obviously she's in a bad state. So we can come and talk to her. We, we do home visit. We can, we can assist in any way we can, because I don't only deal with people who are discerning also mm. the kind of uh, the situation here that's faced us. Yeah. yeah. Do you think they need a third party? Maybe someone who can sit both of them down? They definitely and do, and I, I think a therapist would be the ideal. Mm, mm. If, of course, maybe the mother has been to a doctor, and of course it sounds like the doctor has already suggested, but then she's not ready to go. Yes, so I, I would say I would put, I would honestly want to, to be the person that can come and assist her mm. because I understand where she is and without necessarily forcing her. Because mm. I think also maybe therapy has a negative name. It's also empowering. So it's not only from a point of negativity. So mm. she needs that right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, David, uh, we'll, we'll try and put you um, in touch maybe with Kefilwe. Because um, as, as she says, you know, your wife probably needs therapy and, and maybe it will help to have both of you sit down and have someone speak to both of you and maybe she'll start understanding it 
maybe but that no she doesn't understand otherwise she, she's like sorry to say this she's like she's 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 me about color no i hear you david i can hear how how frustrating and and sad it is to you thank you for sharing it with us I'll, i'm putting you back to the producers and we'll we'll take your contacts let's go to luleka now um renfontaine luleka good morning good morning how are you i'm all right how are you doing i'm good thanks um i just wanted to share my experience as a mother mm of a child who was diagnosed uh, with autism at the age of uh, one year, eight months. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not an easy journey. You go through different emotions. Um, You go through shock. Mm -hmm. You go through denial. You go through anger. And uh, you ask yourself a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially, I was a young... um, first-time mother, I had my own ideal of Mm. um, how my baby is going to be, Mm. and then all of a sudden, there's this sudden change in terms of his, um, uh, he had delayed milestones, Mm. and then I took him to a doctor for investigation, and unfortunately in my case, how he was diagnosed, it was brutal, if I can put it like that. Mm. Um, the doctor just told me that your child uh, is going to go to a special school. Uh, he won't be able to talk, not to walk. Sure. And you must stop being arrogant and ignorant, mm. just take what I say. Oh. And then I had to pay, because we needed to do CT scans uh, to check the brain functioning. And then he checked the brain functioning. The brain was functioning very well. Still, I could not understand what was wrong because I was the first time mother. I had the happiest pregnancy. Mm. Nothing that I wanted to find out what is it that I have done mm. that has made my child to be different. Mm. But as soon as I started to accept him for who he is, then I started to celebrate him. Mm. Uh, I remember at around about um, two years, he was not walking, but he was doing bum shuffling. Mm. And he was able to do the bum shuffling and go to the decoder and change it to Mm. the current um, um, station that he wanted to watch. Then I started asking myself, what type of a child are you? You are doing certain things, but you are not able to walk. Mm. But to this day, through the intervention of therapy, uh, self-education, mm. I, I think one of your callers mentioned to say that in the family, um, then they will discriminate the child. Yeah. Allow them to discriminate the child so that you can get an opportunity to educate them. Mm. Mm. Um, there's a lot of myths when it comes to disability. Um, sometimes we 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 being told that you did something wrong to God, mm. the child has been cursed, yeah. um, and 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 oh, there must be a ritual that needs to be performed, mm. then the child will be fine. Um, you go through all of that, but the best thing that a parent can do is to take an opportunity to say that you'll be a self advocate for your child. Mm. Even with the interventions that are there, it's not easy. And one other thing that is important, be a part of a support group. Mm. A different ah. support group. It's, it's much better mm. when you, you see that, okay, my child cannot do one, two, three. Then you belong to a support group. For example, I'm, I'm a part of a support group. 
which is uh, it's more mothers of children with autism. Mm. When you put your story there, it is people who understand you from your point of reference. Mm. You find that whatever that you were crying about, then the next person will be like, that is nothing compared to what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, then also you need support in terms of uh, the different intervention, like your social worker, your speech therapist, mm. physio, mm. all these multidisciplinary um, uh, interventions mm. are needed in order for you to support yourself. Yeah. No, Luleka, wow. Thank you so much for, for calling. What what a great, great contribution there and, and some advice for, for some families that may be, of course, in, in that same situation. Thank you so much for calling. Um, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation and continue with your calls on WhatsApp voice note. It's 11.32. Family Matters. It's 23 minutes before 12 o'clock. Let's continue with our Family Matters feature. And today we're discussing raising children with special needs, our children that could be living with a chronic disease. We've taken some calls uh, from some mothers. Um, we had a call from, from a father as well about what the experience has been like. And I'll take more of those calls and WhatsApp voice notes. Uh, Kifila, I wanted you to reflect um, a little bit on, on the, call, the last call that mm. we took before the headlines where the, the mother says it was not an easy journey and she went through the different emotions. And in my mind, I was thinking, how... How often do we sit and realize that it's okay, actually, to go through those emotions mm. and not feel bad exactly. that I'm questioning or at some stage I'm questioning why me? It's, it's part of you reacting to the situation. Um, so how important is it to just allow ourselves as well to actually go through the emotions, right? Exactly. Because it's part of that process of healing, isn't it? Exactly. By the way, um, Liloka is my former colleague. And, oh, is it? Yes, and ah. she's such a, a powerhouse of a woman. And she forgot to say she runs those pub, um, um, support, support groups. groups. Yes, wow. she actually initiated it. So I think with saying that, it takes those mothers and those mm. fathers and everybody who's in that space to empower and bring up across those groups, initiate those mm. groups. If there's none, be the first one to start. I think that's mm. exactly what Liloka did. And... um. Indeed, you need to, hence I'm saying, let those emotions be. Sometimes you are told, don't question, don't, don't do this. Sometimes just be, because perhaps that could be your moment to, to reflect and where your strength is going to come from. Mm. So be there, allow yourself to be, so that when you raise your head up, you are standing up and from an empowerment point yes. of view, you know what I mean? So yes. be, allow yourself to feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's okay to it's feel okay. those emotions. Exactly. Um, and and the importance of a support group as well. I mean, exactly. really, I emphasize that a lot. Exactly. Here's a voice note that's come through on 072-702-1702. Morning, Clement. I married my wife with one kid with cerebral palsy. And then we had another one. Both of them are boys, age 15 and 18, respectively. It has been a tough journey, but through the support of George Mukari Hospital family mm. and for each other. We've made it through. They can't talk, they can't walk, but they can show emotions, they can laugh, they can play. So currently I'm taking care of them because my wife went for a three-month course away. So I'm taking care of them and the family still supports. So I'm strong enough at the moment. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Oh, Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And you're an incredible dad. Uh, Kefila, I want you to, to 
touch a little bit on the fear of mm-hmm. of having more children because sometimes that's that's the thing right of course um yes you love this child mm. who's differently abled yes you love this child you know that may be going through this condition or have have a chronic illness but sometimes due to the experience with that first child if it was the first child or the second or the third you know parents may fear trying again because they would think okay what if it's another one with the same condition um is that fear a real thing and and as a parent how do you deal with that so that you can still try again if you want to without fearing the worst exactly so it's it's so real that when a person comes to you for therapy i think that is the besides the the situation it's the number one fear and some altogether don't even want to have even more kids I've I've had many who like I've stopped. I don't want to have more kids because not only are you gonna have more kids, but it's also I you want to de- they uh, they will say they want to dedicate their time to this one, depending on the 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 the, the need the special needs that they have. So it's also deterring. If you had a child, you're like I don't want to. You are scared. You are worried. Normally, what I do, I counter that with um a, a powerful therapy of the here and now. Let we deal with we take you and put your mind on the here and the now. Let's deal with what we have now, not the what ifs, because these what ifs are the ones that bring so much fear and wonder and worry, and they just take you outside. They, they just put negativity. So we just bring you here now. If it happens, we'll deal with it. Even then, when you have another child, we'll deal with the here and then of then. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, take some of the voice notes uh, that are coming through. Let's start here. Hi, Clement. Uh, my name is Frank. I'm in Centurion. I appreciate your topic for today. It has really hit home because we have got a child with uh, two years, eight months, and he has been diagnosed diagnosed with uh, autism. So we were in denial for about a month, and then we adjusted, and we started to act on it. So we put him into crash, and he goes for speech therapy and occupational therapy once a week each. But we are not sure if we are doing enough as parents at home. So I would like uh, probably to be linked uh, with other uh parents that are in the same situation or if they is support group i heard the other lady talked about a support group so that we can just know if we are doing enough uh at home in terms of teaching him thanks oh yeah that's great um if anybody knows of of other support groups um i, I didn't hear where the listener said um he was sending us a voice note from uh, but if anybody knows like other support groups um, around please um Give us a call or send us a WhatsApp voice note and then we'll send that information to, to this listener so um, they know of the other options that are available. Mm. Here's another voice note. Good morning, 702 Land. This is Nasreen Suleiman from Pretoria. Uh, we have been blessed with a beautiful girl, Hannah. Uh, she's diagnosed with a very rare syndrome called Di-George syndrome. I think the most important thing for both parents is acceptance and then action. Uh, in terms of therapy, um, it's not easy being a mom of a special needs girl, but I honestly feel she's a miracle. Um, and I just like your advice on whether we should break it to her that she's different. Uh, she's a confident 10 year old. She's smothered and surrounded by a wonderful support system, family support system. 
And yeah, I just I'd, I'd like to know your comments on this. Thank you very much. Good morning. Mm, thank you. Um, so, when you at what age, um, I guess, Kifule, or maybe at what point is it the right time to sit the kid down and say you are different, and this is the condition you have, and or do you wait for them to pick it up first, or is it better to tell them the earliest you can? The, I would say the earliest you can. For instance, I've got a child, the middle one. Mm. She she's not al, she's not an albino, but then she has certain hair. Mm. So the doctors don't even the doctors don't even know what to say. So mm. her hair is blonde and it's natural like that. So you mm. you see when we go walk around, the most people are staring, and their eyes were um, nostalgic. So in a so they move mm. around, but now they are better. So I had to tell mm. her and teach her that your hair is like this. And then mm. I look, I teach her, we even sing about it. My hair color is gold. And then we right. sing, we sing, and then she's only three. So mm. I started that when she was two. And then so that she can see herself and I make her look in the mirror. What color is my hair? And then she tells me, what color mm. is your hair? And then you laugh about it. So she mm. already knows, even if you can diss her, they've done, mm. they've done that. Even when I send home to my feet people look. And then you start there, why are you looking at? She's so confident for a three-year-old. Mm. And I love that because, and, and I'm bringing it to say there's no as early as possible you build that confidence from a young age and you should see her i'm so proud of her when i look at her mm. when you try to do this she's like, yes it's my hair so so, so yeah. exactly so mm. as early as you can try there mm. try yeah wow um it's uh, 15 minutes before 12 o'clock i've got more calls and whatsapp voice notes coming through we'll, we'll look at those after the break talk 702 family matters it's 12 minutes before 12 o'clock. Let's continue with um, your calls and your WhatsApp voice notes. 011-883-0702. We are talking about raising children uh, with special needs. It could be children that are living with uh, a chronic disease as well. So far, we've heard from wonderful parents on the kind of support that they're providing for their little ones. Um, and Kifilo Mujapil, who's a psychotherapist guiding us through this discussion, actually advises that as early as possible, speak to them about how different they are so that they know when you build that confidence from an early age. And it starts in that family and when they step out um, and they are quite uh, confident. So some, someone asked earlier, uh, Kifilo, about these support groups. Um, and I think sometimes parents are scared to be vulnerable and allow themselves to get to a point where they do feel weak um, and you will feel like that, mm. right? Um, there will get a time where you are just, it's so much and you're going to need people you can talk to. So just, just speak to, you spoke earlier about the need to allow yourself to go through the emotions so, so that the parents know that when they get to a point where they sit and say, oh my goodness, this is a lot mm. and I may need the support, that doesn't speak to their quality of parenting or the amount of love for their children of course they are also human beings and of they must course. also on top of looking after the kids also look after themselves and acknowledge these feelings and and the pressures that come with us of course and for them feeling like that i would say each and by the way each and every one of us go through a certain that state being with either with a child with different disabled or not mm. so anyway all of us go through a moment of weakness so mm. allow yourself to be weak you can't always be you wouldn't be human if you'd always be carrying a, a higher level of strength. There are things that will bring you down, such as having a child with disability. And hence I'm saying the other difficult one is adjusting to the disability that was never there. So allow yourself and um, from that point, then it allows you to say, then what from then? Mm. 
and then sometimes I see a need on my database depending on the clients that comes and I, from there I would say I've, re- I've been receiving this number of clients and from there I would automatically form a group and call them back and have that support group right there. However, for people who, who don't have access to private social workers, I would say they can also go to government. You go to Department of Social Development, it's everywhere. Go to them and ask them if you are the one who's going to, if, if it's, it's going to, that group is going to start with you, then it, it took you to be that change yes. agent and be to be the advocate of that community mm. and not only for yourself, but for everyone around you and also your child. Yeah. So don't be despondent and think if you can be the, the change agent that the community needs yeah. because it's all about a mindset. Mm. And you can start that. Exactly. Uh, Lydia in the West Rand, good morning. Hi, good morning, Clement. Um, yes, I'd like to add to what the psychologist has said, Mm. that sometimes as a parent, it becomes difficult to want to have another child. I have a child who's now 18 years old. Um, He was diagnosed with ADD, attention deficit disorder, when he was about nine years old. Mm. He was in the mainstream school. And then he was moved from there um, into um, a, a, a school with learners with disability needs special educational needs. Mm. And I moved into a remedial school. The school had all kinds of therapists and they did all the therapeutic uh, things on him, Mm. including psychology. And Mm. they all came with the same report that I received while he was in the mainstream school, that he's unable academically. Mm. And um, because I didn't, I really didn't understand. I, I just saw a normal child. I eventually moved him to a, a vocational school, yeah. which is also an Elson school. At the vocational school, he's continuing with academic and he's fine. For me, he looks fine because he's doing okay, like exceptionally well in his academics. And they're doing also the handwork. There he became very, very happy. Mm. He's a child at 18. He prefers to be with kids that are less than 10 years old, to be oh. friends with those kind of kids. Mm. And when I asked him, he would say, because they make him feel comfortable. They make him like they understand him. He feels they understand him. Mm-hmm. And for me as a parent, it's like, okay, at his age, if he always prefers kids younger than him, at least it keeps him away from things that teenagers are doing. Yes. You know, yeah. smoking and because he's a boy, how many girls you can get, all sorts of uh, things. Mm. That's how I feel. Meanwhile, people wonder why he prefers playing with kids younger than him. And for me, it's like, you know what? There's nothing wrong. At the same time, he prefers, he still likes to play with toys. He mm. loves cartoons. And people don't understand why does he prefer watching cartoons than watching programs kids his age are watching. Yes. And for him, he says, because cartoons, they just make him feel you know, a lot better about himself and the entertainment that comes with it. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a difficult journey because even the father, Mm -hmm. since he realized that my son has, um, I really don't know what I would say the condition is because honestly as a parent, and I also don't know if I'm in denial, my son looks okay to me. Mm. You know, him playing with the smaller kids is okay because I felt, he stays away from all the nonsense that kids his age are doing. And also him preparing cartoons is also okay because cartoons, even older people can watch cartoons. Yes. And, um, 
at the same time, his father is distanced himself. Mm. He, he just doesn't want to be part of his uh, child's life. Mm. I find myself having to follow him behind, begging him mm. to be a father to my child. And he just doesn't want that. Oh. And luckily, my, my child is a, he's a very, he's a calm soul, very, very calm. He's, um, he's very understanding, understanding in a way that I find is very amazing. Even though his father doesn't want to be a part of his life, yeah. it's like if he doesn't want to be a part of my life, so what can I do? It's yes. okay, you yeah. know. He also has that kind of response. Mm. Oh, Lydia! And yeah, I thank you for being that mom. I don't right? feel like I want to have another child at all. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, thank you for being that mom, Lydia. I mean, if, if the dad is even distancing, you are there for him. And, and that's what matters really now. And yes, it could be great. It would be great if the dad is also involved. But she, like your son has got someone now that they can rely on and say, they've got my bag. How do you explain that, Kefila, as we wrap up? Like, how do you say to your child, these people are treating you this way because, or your father doesn't want to have this relationship with you because, I mean, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because I don't know if that empowers them or does it make them feel sad because they start blaming themselves for sometimes even, they could argue, I'm breaking the relationship mm. at home, that, you know? I, would, I wouldn't put it to say your child father left because of you in this way, but I would say he made a choice to go so that you protect the child from whatever blame and that might come. So I, I wouldn't be as blunt as that blatantly and putting it across as that. So, yeah, but, yeah. Um, thank you so much for making time. Kifile um, Mojapilu, uh, psychotherapist. Uh, thank you for guiding us through this important conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks to the listeners as well. Four minutes before 12.